0: Time, as far as I know on finishing strong. Right? That's, that's kind of my message. Always a way to win and uh, greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. I. I so if you would turn to uh, Galatians... Uh, let's go to 1 Corinthians 10. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 10. Let's just have a short word tonight. Short meaning a relative term. Hallelujah. Okay, uh before we start that, I have been on what I call a role, a supernatural role of revelation. Uh, I've been studying this Finnish Strong thing, and in that, I started coming up with some statements. They, some of them were in my message, just as part of the message, but then I, I started writing down other things, and uh, I worked on it this afternoon. And it's 37 long. And I, the other one I shared with you all the other day was, they were real wordy and real convoluted. But let me just give you a sampling of that about finishing strong. Because it's a real strong message that the church needs. Finishing strong. Because no telling where people are, they've wrecked their life or they're on a slow recovery or they don't know how it's going to go. And they can start today. They can start right now and finish strong, and it'll all be counted as good. Peter denied the Lord three times, but he was the man at the end. Uh, so we can all finish strong. We should finish strong. All the disappointments in our life, all the things that didn't turn like we thought they would or, or all that, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. We can finish strong. I want to finish strong. I'm older than I've ever been, and I'm just like, I didn't really get it done the first big part of my life, but I'm going to finish strong. Most, most people that we call heroes uh, are in their later years. Uh, Francis, Charles and Francis Hunter. I mean, just a tremendous healing couple. She didn't get born again until she was 55. And at that time, a, a preacher was coming to see her every Saturday, and she was blowing cigarette smoke in his face as he went through the I mean, just a, just a hard acorn, just a hard knot that she was. And she got born again, and her and Charles, oh, they've, they've just done, been anywhere. So you can finish strong. Not that 55 is old, but it's certainly not like she had all the 20 or 30 years of background. To, she had to start over. So I wrote, I'm going to just read you a, a, a half dozen. Here's one I wrote. Starting strong is to count the cost to finish strong. Mm-hmm and paying all of it up front. Never negotiate the finish once you've started. To finish strong first demands that you be willing to give all that you have. Let me read that again. To finish strong, just say finish strong with me, finish strong. To finish strong first demands that you be willing to give up all that you have. It is the commitment to absolutely finish absolutely empty. Finish empty anyway. You know, the, the, the Marine mantra that they have, some, some uh, all gave some and some gave all. And it's that, it's that thing that none of us have given what our military gives. Decision determines the success of every part of your life. If you're too weak to establish the outcome up, up front, you will only watch those who will not settle. So now we're, we're finishing strong. you gotta, you got you to gotta give it all, or you'll just finish. What will you honor? Everyone is limited to live within the borders of what they reward in others. Everyone is limited to live within the borders of what they reward in others. What you value will frame your way to finishing strong. Live strong, finish strong. Success is happy when it comes. Success is happiest while it's coming. So that goes along with be happy. You can't wait until it happens to say, okay, now I'm happy. Find your turnaround. I got this from what we ministered the other day. Find your turnaround. Every hard thing that seems hard is not all hard. It has one reversal built in. Look for it. Finishing strong. Is measured by pursuit. Uh, Here's one more. Keep going. There's always enough left for another kick. A man is celebrated by what even surprised him after he determined to finish strong. Let God surprise us with his goodness. Amen. Well, anyway, I'll give those to you (laughs) eventually. I'm not working on them. I've I've got two more that I've got room for two more, so I'm going to finish the page up. Hallelujah. Well, we've been talking about finishing strong, and we've got so much help to finish strong. Holy Ghost is on our side. God's in a good mood. Nobody's mad at us except the devil, and we don't care because we're whooping him uh, from pillar to post. So uh, when we say that there's always a way to win, when we say that nothing is impossible, you have to wonder if you just stop and say, how does that work? How does it work that nothing's impossible? Because we know it doesn't just happen that you come up on something that's really hard, that God just says, let me handle this and moves you aside and just takes care of it. God's not in control. He's not in control. So when we say there's always a way to win, how does that, how does that really play out? How do, how do we plug into that? Well, we looked at, uh, at Galatians 5, 7. We won't read all of them, but in 5, 7, King James, it says, ye did run well who did in who did hinder you that ye should not obey the truth, and another definition for that hinder I looked it up today in the Greek, and it means to cut into or to impede so it's just anything you you could you could find out in traffic sometimes there's somebody up in front of you that's hindering you <laughs> They're driving 20 in a hundred mile zone. (laughs) So the question we have to ask, he said, who did hinder you? Does do we have to be hindered? Because this was Paul. He talked about the devil. He talked about some people and he said, I would have come to you except I was hindered from coming to see you. Does that give us a case to say everybody's going to be hindered every once in a while? We need to know that because if we just lay down and take it, if we have to be hindered, because Paul was, I want to tell you all about the New Testament. It is the most honest and brutal account of, of things that were going on. Paul is all the times, you know, he's got the revelation from heaven, but he's a lot of times saying, like in 2 Corinthians, he's saying, a um, uh, uh, messenger from Satan, a thorn in the flesh. Uh, You know, I forget now what it says, but but you you know what that is. Well, then later he he writes it. He said, well, that's bogus. That's no good. That's counterfeit. His grace is sufficient for me. He fixes out his own false theology or wronged theology. And it's just recorded there. Uh, It's so amazing how how truthful and unglossed the the word of God is. Um, But so we have to we have to ask ourselves, do we have to be hindered every once in a while? Are there things that come up in front of us that we just have to say, well, Paul was hindered and the church was hindered. I I must be hindered right now. And I ask those kind of questions of myself and I say, no, we don't. But you got to know how that works. You got to know we can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We got to know how that plays out and what does that actually mean? And I've decided, I've discovered, I believe that being hindered is actually just yielding to a temptation, a temptation. Now, God does not tempt us. And the word says that in James one. But it's when we are tempted to be hindered, we do things that we go. This is probably not the best, but I think I can get by with it. And we don't. And so for First Corinthians, chapter 10, I'd like to turn there and just explore this just for a few minutes. You know, I want what the word I bring to be relevant. I don't want to just get up here and talk about some event. 1 Corinthians ten thirteen um, says, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. This is a real misunderstood scripture. But God is faithful, and here's where it goes. Who will not suffer you to be tempted above all that ye are able, but will with the temptation... Also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. Well, if you get your pronouns lined up there, you could say, you could make a case that God is the one that tempts us. And if we don't buy that, we can certainly say that, that he analyzes us. He, he gives us a quiz, a spiritual quiz and says, how, how big are you in the kingdom? And I, I, there's, there's, the devil's got a plan for you, but since you're little... Since you're not very spiritual and it would hurt you, I'm going to limit his access to you and he's not going to be able to do what he would want to do. But if you're over here and you're Kenneth Copeland or Jesse Duplantis or somebody like that, that can handle quite a bit of firepower, that it seems like the Lord is saying here, I'm just going to let him have you and the doors open and let him do what he wants. But, you know, it kind of feels scratchy in your heart when you think along these lines that it doesn't really line up with what we already know or believe, or at least for me, that God is kind of in control there where he is monitoring the devil. And if the devil is attacking one of the lambs, the the babies, that he intervenes and he keeps him from doing things. Kind of sometimes makes you wonder about what's the advantage of growing up if If that's happening, the New Living Translation says he will not allow the temptation to be more than you could stand. He will not allow. So that sounds like he's intervening. When you are tempted, he will. Here it is. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. So there's the explanation is that he doesn't intervene with the devil, but he shows you the way of escape. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. The weapon is formed, but there's a way of escape where it didn't get to go full bore and take you out. So you have to say that's the way it always happens, that he always makes a way of escape. He doesn't just look down and say, hey, kids, you're on your own. Do the best you can. Uh, Whatsoever you bind on earth, whatever you loose on earth, it's in your hands. But but he's really cool about Holy Ghost and about wisdom uh, of doing this. So I've asked, is, is there a personal adjustment made for us? If someone that just got born again, do they, have a, do they have a ring of protection around them that maybe you and I don't have? That it's like the devil says, I'm going to take that one out because they don't have that protection. And I don't believe that. And so we're going to explain it. Uh, the Amplified, brace yourself, it's long. For no temptation... No, no trial regarding as enticing to sin, no matter how it comes or where it leads, has overtaken you and laid hold on you. That is not common demand. And that is the key right there. That is not common demand. That is no temptation or trial has come to you. That is beyond human resistance and that is not adjusted and adapted and belonging to human experience. And such as man can bear. But God is faithful to His word and to His compassionate nature. And here it comes. And He can be trusted not to let you be tempted and tried and assayed beyond your ability and strength of resistance and power to endure. But with the temptation, He will always also provide the way out, the means of escape to a landing place, that you may be capable and strong and power, powerful to bear up under it. So what do y'all think of that? Well, I, I this is what I get out of the Word, because all the Word has... To, you can't just slip this verse out and say, we're going to build a doctrine on that and ignore everything else. It's all got to fit, doesn't it? It's all got to mesh in there. And we're talking about finishing strong. How do you finish strong if you can be hindered? How can you finish strong... The devil's coming after you and he has different levels of power that he can use uh, against you. So um, it's not some people that get big temptations and big tests and some people that get little ones. Uh, The devil's held in check. But how is he held in check? It's not personal. It says here the devil can't use a weapon that we cannot defend. So if you think about it, the devil is a supernatural creature. He's, uh, he has no authority in the earth. So all he can do in the earth is what we permit, allow. Are we good on that? He can't do anything that we don't allow because he has no authority. So he has to deceive and persuade us and, and, and trick us, deceive us to coming into some sort of agreement with him, thinking it's going to go one way like Eve did. And it goes another way. And so he got the upper hand, but he had to trick her because he had none of his own. So the, the, the devil can't use a weapon. He can't go out of the norm of what is common to man. So he can't launch a super secret weapon against you that there's no biblical defense for. So everything he's got, we've seen it. Now, we had never seen COVID before, but... It was just like the flu or just like whatever. I mean, it was more consequential. I'm not demeaning. It's, it's uh, wrath, but it all fell under. It's like, it's like the f- flu and stage four cancer. It all has to go under in the name of Jesus. There's no levels or degrees there. So here's the, here's the key. He is hindered. He hinders us, but in fact, he is hindered. He would like to pull something special out and put it on me, for instance, or you and knock us out, take us out of commission, knock us out of capacity. But the word says that he, he cannot bring anything that's not common to man. So we already know everything that's common to man. If you if you hadn't actually had it in your life, lack or, or sickness or pain or. Uh, an accident of some kind. All that stuff is common demand, And there's no secret demonic power that he can bring from the from his realm out from hell and, and spring it on us. And it's like, oh, no, it's not. It's like covid. There was no vaccine for it. He can't do that. And, you know, we're vaccinated by the word of God. I'm not here to say what we should do and how you did it and all that. That that is not the issue. The issue is to get on the other side of it and let it be done unto us according to our faith. And so uh, I think we all got a big wake up call during this little experience uh, that says, I'll be more ready next time. I'm not going to fall for it again. So uh, those scriptures that we use, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, I he always causes me to triumph in Christ Jesus. Greater is he that is in me than he is in the world. Uh, uh, as he is, so am I in this world. Those things are all our shield, our protection. Our It's our common uh, mode of, of life. And he has nothing that can get around all those things. He has nothing. Because with the temptation, with the test that he brings, with the The uh, trial that he brings, we have a defense and God then says that he he can do this without interfering. He can show us by Holy Ghost, do this. Go get hands laid on you for that. Go ask somebody for help in this. Or just pray and say, Lord, I need this. Like Leroy, I keep talking about Leroy Thompson, where he just says, go lay hands on your washing machine. And you go, well, how's that? Well, the key here is, is the devil is hindered. He's impeded. He's what, what that definition that says uh, cut, cut into. But we are not. We are not. Turn with me, if you would, to uh, where could we go now? Well, let's go to Psalm 56. Now I got ahead of myself. Let's go to Psalm 56. And so let's understand this. Now, here, here's my motive for putting this in us. We all know this in some measure degree, but we have to hear it every once in a while to get brushed up on it. But you're going to have to go minister to people that are going to ask you these questions. We need to know. We need to have an answer. Oh, gosh, I'll get back to you on that's what I used to say, because I didn't know and I was honest about it. I didn't try to make up something. (laughs) You know, that's where all the false doctrine comes from is somebody made up something. And it fit their situation that day, but it didn't fit the word of God, and it didn't fit the experience that we are supposed to have. So Psalm 56, it's a wonderful psalm. Verse 4 says, In God I will praise his word. In God I have put my trust. I will not fear what flesh can do against me. But we're going to go down to verse 9, and we're going to see something here. When I cry unto thee, then shall mine enemies turn back. This I know, for God is with me. That's cool. Verse 10. In God will I praise his word. In the Lord will I praise his word. Verse 11. In God have I put my trust. I will not be afraid what man can do unto me. Verse 11. Oh, excuse me. I, I just said verse 11. So in verse 10, we see two different words for God there. In God will I praise him. In the Lord will I I praise his word. Well, those are two different words in the Hebrew. And we know this thing. Uh, The first word, God, is the word Elohim. And it's the same word that's in Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, Elohim created heaven and earth. So Elohim is a facet of God. He's not two. He's not bipolar. It's a facet of God that, that he uses or he demonstrates how to keep the world the same. It's Elohim that makes the sun come up. They can predict the sun coming up. When's it going to come up? 25 years from now. And you just pick a day and they can find it. And they know it's so predictable. Its gravity is always the same. Uh, the temperature of the earth's the same. The temperature of the sun's the same. Uh, if you study out the the, uh, the earth and the sun, the solar system, you'll find out that there are tolerances that are less than 1% that if it got colder or hotter or closer or further away, we, we couldn't exist. The tolerance is so close. It has to be just right. And so it is. And so we are. So this is Elohim. He's the God that controls the, uh, the he's the main, maintainer of natural order. We take that for granted that, well, yeah, it's just like if he got started. It'll keep going. But you and I got our bodies going and we have to adjust them every once in a while. You all know, sometimes you got to take a nap and sometimes you got to you know what we got to do. But uh, in verse 11, verse 10, it says in the Lord, I will praise his name. But that's not the same word as Elohim. It's the word El Shaddai. And El Shaddai is another facet of God. And it's the supernatural side, it's the power side, it's the side that goes outside of the natural. So whereas gravity is this, and, and uh, physics is that, and algebra is this, and everything, and, 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 and the iron did swim. How did the iron did swim? Because Elohim said, iron will sink in water. Do you all know that? I mean, it's just like, yes, we know that. How did Peter follow Jesus on the water? Everybody knows Elohim's in charge. Ah, but there's another side to God and it's called El Shaddai. And he is the what I write down here. Uh, He is the miracle activator. He supersedes experience. So the barrel didn't run dry. The oil poured until there was no more vessels. Fire came down and smoked them uh, on, uh, with Ahab's uh, Baal idol and all that. And all these stories in the Old Testament and the New, where the jail did shake and broke and the prisoners got out, who, who caused that? That's not something that you can explain and say scientifically it's this, that, and the other. How about the five loaves and the two fishes where, where they said, what is this among so many? And the Lord gave it to the disciples. He, he didn't go off in a corner and say, y'all put a sheet around me, I'm fixing to do some hokey pokey. He, gave, he handed it out to the disciples who then divided it. And How is that? That is El Shaddai. He exceeds or goes beyond experience. So he's, he doesn't do away with natural law, but he supersedes it just like an airplane supersedes gravity. If you get enough lift and thrust and all those things, you can, you can sur- one law can supersede another law. But you know if you throttle back, you're going to the ground. <laughs> if it ever sputters, it's over. So um, here's the key. This is why I brought this up. Elohim keeps the devil in check that he cannot exceed natural order. The devil can't make 24-hour days. He can't make it where it doesn't rain. He can't make it where gravity is easy over here or it's like the moon over here and people are, it's different. He can't mess with Elohim, the natural order. But we can. So it's really kind of an advantage where he is hindered, but we are not. And we, we need to. I know we know that. I know you all know that. But sometimes we only know how it works, kind of like we know you get in a car and you turn the key and hit the gas and put it in D and off you go. But you might not know what D is connected to. You might not know where that key goes. You might not know if you didn't have any oil in your transmission, you won't go far. All those things. We know the end of it or how to operate it, but we sometimes don't know the mechanics. Some people in the city think that uh, cheese grows on is, is something that grows on. A vine or something. I mean, really, I read that the other day. They're like, oh my. They don't know where bacon comes from. They don't know, you know, all that sort of stuff. Well, we need to know. We need to know. So turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, if you would. I got to get it, I got to giddy up here. We're talking about finishing strong. And we need to, I think we need to know how this stuff works, be well versed in it, because this is the kind of stuff that heathens or unsaved, or unlearned Christians. They'll throw this at you. Uh, I had a Baptist friend in West Texas, and he could, I never knew there was so many scriptures about healing in the Old Testament that you could take out of context, that you could just lift them up and just drag them over here and make them say that God was against healing, God was put stuff on people. I was amazed, but he knew them all. He had him in a book, and he 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 bowed down to him because he's bound and determined to, to uh, prove that healing is not God's will. But like we say, he had a he had a doctrine, but we had an experience. It was too late to say tongues had passed away because we were speaking in them. <laughs> Amen. Okay, Second Corinthians chapter ten. Let's look. At, you know this verse, verse three, talking about finishing strong. For we though we walk in the flesh. We do not war after the flesh. So there it's talking about the flesh being the, the uh, uh, Elohim, and, but we do not war after the flesh. It's talking about El Shaddai. We're limited until he turns us loose, until we get into him. But the devil's limited all the time. He's in a jurisdiction. He's limited to what is natural. He can only use natural things. That's all he can do. Well, we can do all that. He can't do anything that we can't do. And then we can do more than he can do. So we're talking about being hindered. He's hindered. So that's why he's such a tricky little devil. That's why he's such a nasty little thing. Is because his brain, his thinking, and all that is totally in what we would call subversive propaganda, like nations do now, to speak something that's not true against the truth so everybody will believe it. They're saying right now that almost all of Russia believes that Ukraine Ukraine is full of Nazis and they're trying to quell, they're trying to save Mother Russia. You know, stuff like that. Well, that's what the devil does. It says um, in verse 4, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, not natural, not earthy, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And we won't go into that, but it's not talking about devils here. It's talking about the way the devil can use us, which is through our minds. We don't do wrestling with the devil. We don't, we don't outrun the devil or outrun from the devil. We stop him. We take authority over him. He can't take authority over us. We, he has to trick us into taking authority over ourselves. Well, I guess I got the flu. Guess it's going to be one of that seasons again. Well, that's that. That was planted by the devil and spoken by us. And so we we just generated that 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 condition based on our authority, but based on his suggestion. Is that right? OK, I'm going to say it is. So but mighty through God, mighty through God, mighty through God. He's hindered and we're not. Our weapons are are mighty through God. And then verse 5, it says, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. And here it is, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So how do we beat the devil? We have to bring every thought. That's all he can do against us is put thoughts in us, seduce us, entreat us. Uh, attempt us to speak things that are contrary to who we are, what we have and what we can do. Well, they're laying off people at work. I, I, I just bought a new car. Looks like we're going to. And then you just go dribbling off. It's just like, really? Our weapons are not, are mighty in God. So so he says the warfare there is not against the devil. He's already defeated. Why would we have to how why would we have to have war on the devil? He's already whooped dead and gone. There is nothing left to do to the devil. Jesus made a show of him openly. He is defeated. It is over. It is done. There is not another chapter, another verse, another period to say we we do need to take care of some loose ends. There are no loose ends. Y'all help me to get a chance. There's no loose ends with the devil. He is utterly defeated. So when it's talking here about spiritual warfare, it's not talking about you giddy up and going and putting on a sword and going out. It's talking about taking our minds, taking control of our minds and bringing every thought. What's every thought? I'm sick. I'm broke. It's not going to turn out. Bringing our thoughts into captivity to the obedience of Christ. You see that in verse 5? Casting down imaginations. What, what imaginations would be, be casting down? Casting down imaginations that I'm not who the Word says I am and I can't do what the Word says I can and I don't have what the Word says I have. That's the imaginations. We have to cast them down. That's, one, that's why we read this. We do a lot of casting when we read this. It assaults and confronts what the devil has put in us and our experience Our experience, we see things of other people, good people, great people, godly people. We look up to them, and yet they're having experiences. And so we begin to wonder, well, I wonder if that's what this means. You've got to take those captive and cast them down. And so uh, every thought is where the temptation is. Would you all agree with that? Every thought that we're supposed to take into captivity, that's where the temptation is. I mean, it, no matter what temptation we yield to, to rob a bank, to to commit adultery, to to lie and cheat on our whatever. Well, where where's all that come from? Are we robotic and we just walk through the house until we finally do something naughty? No, it starts up here. And James talks about that, that it, that we conceived sin. And then we bring it forth and then sin brought forth its death. So here's the here's the answer. So the devil is hindered. In the name of Jesus, we take care of him. It's like, well, you got to go through a little voodoo thing and put the shaky-shaky and put the, 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 the duck's foot on the stick and all that. Well, that's what witchcraft would tell you. Voodoo would tell you. Uh, but that's not how... And, and uh, remember the movies? I, I, I've never seen one, but I've seen it where they hold a cross-up and it's supposed to have authority over demons or something. Well, you go, well, nobody believes that. Well, yeah, they do, but we don't. But that's where the temptation is, is to enter into some sort of works so so the devil can't touch us. Well, don't say that because you'll make the devil mad. He's already ticked off. He doesn't have a chance. He's totally shut out of the room. He has no weapons. He has no answer for us. And we are totally armed to the teeth. What is, what is going on here? Well, he's very good at what he does. His propaganda is pretty good. So uh, we're not going to go there, but in John 6, they said, all we have is two, five loaves and two fishes. And then I think it's Philip said, what are, they, what are these among so many? And there you have El Shaddai, excuse me, you have uh, Elohim saying, this won't get around the camp. And so El Shaddai comes in, the Lord Jesus comes in and invokes that with his words and gets them over there on El Shaddai, and suddenly they're multiplied. Suddenly the wind ceases. Suddenly they walk on the water. Suddenly, suddenly, suddenly is when you invoke that other side. Praise God for, for uh, Elohim. Praise God that the sun comes upright and the sun doesn't get hotter and all this. You know, if you read very much, they'll tell you the sun's going to explode in 10 billion years and you're going to be toast. And I mean, they got so many doomsday scenarios. They accuse God of, of um, creating a planet that can't support all of its people. All that junk mess. Um, in Matthew 19, it says with all men, all, with all with God, excuse me. Um, with men, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. What does that mean? Well, it's it's. It's differentiating against the world that we live in, that's natural, and the world we have access to, which is supernatural. So the devil's toast. He can mess with us in the natural realm, but our weapons are not carnal. We, just, we evict him, we eviscerate him, we, we annihilate him, and, uh, and to the level we believe that is the level he has to go. You don't think Curry Blake's sitting around entertaining devils and wondering what's going to happen and how this is going to turn. Well, we shouldn't either. If there's anybody that's ever done it, we should be able to do it as well. So what is it? Well, we have to do some, capt- uh, some capturing of thoughts. Or they build little nests and then they put a wall up and then they you know, put in a, a spare bedroom and all that stuff in our, in our heads till we're pretty much, he's taken over our head and we're robotic. We just do what he tells us we need to be doing. And religion does this. The hardest people to get so-called delivered or set free are the ones that are already Christians, denominational or mainline or, or lukewarm, however you want to say it. So here, we're going to go back to what we did Sunday, and I'll quit there. You have to have a testimony. Your testimony blows up the devil. His weapon comes and says, ah, oh, you're toast now. This isn't going to happen. You're, you finally messed up, and your sin, you're messing up, your whatever, finally has caught up to you, and you're going down. But then we resurrect a testimony. said, well, I wasn't any better back then, and God delivered me, set me free, put me over, uh, increased me, and it straightens things. It's like we talked Sunday about David encouraged himself in the Lord. What did he do? He said, I've whooped the bear, the lion, and the giant. There's an answer here. There's an answer here. And he went to God and said, what is the answer? Should I pursue or just stay here? Are you bringing them back around or what? And the Lord said, go after them. And they recovered all. Well, we should recover all. We are so powerful. We are so amazing. We are so. But we're encumbered with our daily lives. We are naturally minded because the natural takes a lot of natural minded. But we shouldn't be. We should be unencumbered. We should we should be getting rid of stuff instead of putting stuff in. I am. I you can have anything. You can have ten gold-plated cars in the garage, and you wouldn't make the Lord mad. And he will. He'd even say, "I did that." But what it does to us, the downside of that is, is we get encumbered. We we have to take care of them. We have to see after them. We have to park them just right. We have, you know, and all the stuff that goes with more and more and more. There's just one of us. Rich people have lots of people taking care of their stuff because they can only handle the same amount that a poor man can. So they just have to hire somebody to take care of it so it's there when they want it. But there's no, there's no escape. Rich people have to put their britches on. Rich people eat too much rich food. They get gout. Uh, they, they can, if they don't avoid the flu, they'll get the flu. I mean, they, You read sometimes about people that lost $12 billion in one day. And you go, well, you got too much. <laughs> if you can lose that much in one day. But it's like nobody's safe. Nobody, there's nowhere to put it. There's nowhere to, to hide it. There's nowhere to safeguard it. So we're just encumbered. I'm talking about the church world. The blessings have been misappropriated. We are supposed to be blessed to be a blessing. So we have stuff so we can move stuff, change stuff, be used. You should all, every one of you, River Church, should be a paymaster. I call you a paymaster all the time. Paymasters don't always have a lot of accumulation because when it moves in, they move it out. There's a big flow there. But then it says the people that are accumulators, what does it say about them? The wealth of the wicked is stored up. So they're accumulating because they're, they're scared out of their skin that their only security, you can't serve God and mammon, security... They're afraid, we're going to lose this, and then we'll have nothing. Well, we're not afraid of that at all. Have you ever lived on the edge? (laughs) I have, (laughs) and here I am. Some of them people that had security just stacked up around them. They're not there anymore. I'm not making a case for lack. I am not. I I hate it, but I'm just saying we ought to all be paymasters, and that's what you'd like to be. You'd like to have a million dollars so you could start getting rid of everything except what, you get, what you're making right now or getting right now. We might, you know, we might buy our grandkids a little extra present and we might upgrade the car and put new tires on the truck or whatever. I'm not, you know what I'm saying, but we're not after riches, but they're after us. And because they're after us, we are putting on a mindset of say, Lord, here am I, here am I send me, give it to me and I will take care of it. So finishing strong. We didn't know this thing 10 years ago. Uh, You may not have known it last year. I don't know. It's kind of a progressive revelation. But we know it now. And so we're going to finish strong. How do we believe that with the Lord coming in such a short span, according to so many, and yet so much has been prophesied about what's going to happen between now and then, how is that going to fit? How is it going to be? Well, it's going to be big. And you can't just throw a church, come into a church and says, well, the Lord wants to bless y'all and everybody's going to get $100,000 checks. They, 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 there's too much in here. They haven't taken those thoughts captive. But we could. I could, and I know you could, because it'd be a first-time experience, like a lotto winner an inheritance. We'd have to make some adjustments and, and bear with it and everything. But it wouldn't take us long to know what to do with it. And... Uh, There's plenty more where that came from. It's not like, well, I spent it all. Well, here it comes again, honey. It's it's coming in. Well, where could it come from? El Shaddai. It's not from Elohim where you just make a paycheck and you just have your savings. It's El Shaddai. He's going to multiply the fishes and the loaves. So I'm ramping my life up personally. I'm ramping my life up. I don't have any more this year than I had last year or the year before, but I am... I'm acting like I do. I'm, I'm finding people to give to and say, well, I'm going to give you, you know, $50. And in my heart, I say, I want to give you 5000 but I'm going to give you 50 just just to get the flow going, just to pull something out and, uh, and think right and talk right. That's why when we had a man here the other day said, I'm believing God for $10 million. Y'all all all should have fell on the floor and just and laughed and carried on and mocked and whatever. But the man was serious and I'd heard him say it before and nobody in here laughed. We all said, help me with my faith, Lord, because it's in this house. It should be all over this house. And it is. It's coming in. It's coming in. Amen. Well, y'all are a blessing. Let me share that. But we're finishing strong. We're finishing strong. What else can we do? We can't change anything from this day back. Can't change anything about how we messed up or how we succeeded, how we did good, how we didn't do good. We're so blessed the Lord baptized us in the Holy Ghost and made us have a hunger for the Word and healed us. We would all be in the ground, or a lot of us would be in the ground, if it wasn't for doctors or for the healing power of God. But never mind, up to today, I can finish strong now. I got a fresh start. It's just like I just got born again yesterday morning or whatever. Amen. Thank you, uh, Barry. Excuse me.